live from my man cave in Chesapeake, Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild. I'm your host, Blake, here to bring you the latest news, rumors, opinions, analytics, interviews, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going. Hello and welcome to MLS Gone Wild, episode 88. This is your host, Blake. On this week's episode of MLS Gone Wild, I'm going 1v1 with, and I hope I come out better than Luca Petrasso and Kai Wagner, Schomburg, Illinois native, 2017 Big Ten Men's Soccer Offensive Player of the Year and second team All-American for the Wisconsin Badgers, the sixth overall pick to Orlando City SC in 2018, and current winger for the Chicago Fire, Chris Cashmoney Mueller. Chris, welcome to MLS Gone Wild. Hey, thanks for the intro, my man. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Of course. So in today's episode, we will discuss Chris's love for the game, his journey to Hibernian and back to MLS, Chicago's push for the playoffs, his successful 2022 season so far, plus so much more. But before we get into all that, Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. I'm fantastic. Can't complain. Um, being back home in Chicago has been great. Uh, I'm enjoying a pretty decent season and we're, we're making a good playoff push. So when things are going well on the pitch, it definitely helps in, in terms of the off the field stuff. So yeah, I can't complain, man. I'm enjoying everything. Good. Glad to hear it. So we're going to kick this interview off with five or six questions that will take us into who Chris Mueller is off the pitch. You ready? Yep. If you had to sing one song at karaoke and get all the words right, what song are you singing? Uh, Stand By Me. Oh, I like it. That's been, that's been my like rookie intro song that I've sang everywhere I've been. So uh, I got that one down. <laughs> that's funny. If you could have one celebrity come to one of your games, who would it be? Man, that's a really good question. Maybe like Ed Milet or Jay Shetty or something. Okay. What do you do for a living? Wrong answers only. I extend positive vibrations to everyone who's around me. <laughs> How much money do you make doing that? You know, not much yet, but I'm sure maybe in some point. We'll see. <laughs> What's your favorite pizza spot in Chicago? Lou Malnati's. And Old Town Pizza. If I, it depends what you're going for. If you want a little deep dish, I'll go lose. And if you, if I want like a regular style pizza, there's this one called Old Town that's over by my house where I grew up. So I got to go with those two. Okay. You don't eat that before games, though, of course. Not before. After. <laughs> after you bag a goal, you're like, all right, I'm going to get some pie. Yeah, that's the refuel. Carbs, they're important, you know. Yeah, yeah. What's one fun fact about yourself that listeners probably don't know about you? That's a good question as well. I'm an I, hit you with, I hit you with the hard stuff. Early. I'm an author. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw that one out there too. A lot of people don't know that, but I'm an author. Interesting. So I think I did see that on Twitter or social media not too long ago. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I wrote a, my first book a few years back and I just ended up releasing it before I actually left for Scotland. Uh, it's called Bet on Yourself. It was a little bit about my journey and just kind of targeted at young athletes who also are aspiring to do the same thing. And it's pretty much just about betting on yourself against all odds, you know, going in and doing the work and investing in yourself, um, believing in yourself, you know, all those important things for, for young athletes if they're aspiring to get to the next level. So, uh, yeah, I'm a writer. Listeners, you heard it here. Go check out Bet on Yourself. They can find that in stores, yeah? Yeah, it's on Amazon as well, so. Awesome. You guys go check that out. And when you aren't on the pitch, or you're not writing, what else do you like to do in your free time? I like to go and get coffee. I'm a big coffee drinker. So me and my wife, 
uh, take a lot of time to go and get a cup of coffee and just chat a little bit. But, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm no crazy, uh, not a big crazy puzzle piece, you know, it's not hard to figure me out. I like what I like and I kind of stick to to those things. <laughs> How do you get your coffee? Uh, cream and one sugar. <laughs> uh, it's but I, I pretty much always do uh, like just brewed coffee. If I'm going to go for something else, I'll just get a cappuccino and just, that's it. Just cap. That's what hey. I heard. I hear you. Straight black for me, man. And I had so much coffee today. I'm like jittery, been jittery all day. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's, let's flip the switch to soccer now, Chris, five years into your professional soccer career. And this game has taken you across the world, like you said. So let's press rewind just real quick. Chris, why soccer? What made you fall in love with the beautiful game? My family had uh, grown up playing it as well. My dad, my mom was playing it. Um, and I kind of got into it and I feel like being uh, a good player when I was young had made it more fun for me as well. Like scoring goals, I found fun. And uh, I had played a ton of other sports as well, but soccer was the one that I was the best at. And I don't know what it was about it. If I just really liked my teammates at the time, I had, we had like a really good group when I was young. Um, but I also just really loved to play the game. And I was playing it even in my free time with my friends. If I wasn't at training or at practice, I was playing in my backyard with my best friend or you know, out in playing in hockey rinks and just playing everywhere I could. I just couldn't get away from it, you know? So, um, yeah, it's been a lifelong thing. Did you have any players you looked up to growing up? That's a tough question. There was a few. I really liked uh, Frank Lampard when he was on Chelsea. He was one of my favorite players growing up. And so was like Ronaldinho. I think he was, you know, uh, an idol to so many young kids of that generation, just because of the joy that he played with. And, how good he was, you know, back in his prime. So uh, I would definitely say that those two guys were probably my main two uh, that I would constantly look to for inspiration. And you showed some like prime Ronaldinho footwork this year, putting <laughs> defenders on skates, man. Yeah. I don't know about that, man, but yeah, you know, I like to, I like to have a dabble with the dribbles too. Yeah. You've been killing it this year. So you found instant success with Orlando city SC following being drafted sixth overall in the 2018 MLS super draft recording 21 goals and 24 assists in your first four professional seasons. Halfway through year four, on July 22nd, 2021, you signed a pre-contract with Scottish premiership side Hibernian, and that would go into full effect January 1 of this current year. Chris, how did the move to Scotland come about, and what were some of the biggest factors in your decision to explore a professional playing career in Europe? Uh, well, I think that growing up, going to Europe was always an aspiration of mine and just trying to play overseas. Um, it was something that I was constantly fed as a young player that with my size and my height and my level of speed, because I'm, I'm not necessarily the fastest guy that uh, I was constantly told that in order to get a chance, I was going to have to go to Europe if I wanted to play professionally. And this is what I was fed my uh, a lot of my youth, to be fair. So I had always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to get over and give it a try just for the experience for the to play at a different level in different atmospheres, different countries, obviously. So uh, it's something I always wanted to do. And I felt like after uh, I had a good year in Orlando uh, and was breaking into the national team and felt like it was a good time for me to go. I've been there for three seasons. Orlando wasn't necessarily really showing keen interest to really keep me there. You know what I mean? They definitely could have done more if that was the the route that they wanted to go. And, uh, but they didn't. And, you know, with the European stuff kind of looming in the background and, you know, opportunities kind of coming up. Uh, Hibs was one of the teams that was the most keen on bringing me in and probably at the end of it all was uh, 
really just hungry to bring me in there. They really wanted me there. Uh, they seemed like they had really big plans for me under the manager who was there, uh, Jack Ross at the time. And through a ton of back and forth with Orlando of trying to get out of there in the summertime and uh, with other clubs as well, you know how those negotiation things can be. It was, it was really stressful, a crazy time period. Um, but yeah, I ended up signing the pre-contract to Hibs because I felt like that was my best option because uh, it was going to provide me the most of what I wanted to experience in terms of going to a new city. Um, the language is, language is obviously uh, still somewhat the same. It's English, but you can't understand half the people there. So, um, but yeah, o- overall, it was uh, definitely what I thought was going to be the best move at that time. Yeah. And you said something that's really important. You were going somewhere where you felt wanted and that's something every player wants. Yeah, and, of course. Yeah. and you mentioned there was interest from other teams other than just Hibernian. Do you care mentioning any of those other teams that may have shown interest? Uh, I'd rather not mention the specific teams, but like there was one uh, in Germany, uh, one in the Netherlands that was really keen in a Belgian team as well. So those were my like four pretty much prime destinations. Uh, there was even some talk from like Russia and from Turkey all over, man. You know, it was, it was kind of crazy, but, uh, yeah, that's what it ended up coming down to. You touched on going into the U S men's national team camp. We've seen an influx of U S men's national team players go play in Europe. Did you reach out to any of those guys, guys you've played with previously that have gone to Europe and just ask them for their advice? Uh, I had spoken just to, I played with a lot of guys who had gone overseas, uh, and just got there you know, feel and their taste for how their experience was with. And of course, with these type of things, it's kind of hard as a young player, because I I feel like you have to take those things with a grain of salt. You know, everyone's experience is totally different. Some people love it. Some people don't, you know, some people get into a good situation and they're playing good minutes and they're winning. And, you know, other times it's the other way. And, you know, sometimes that's just football. So you have to take everything uh, with a bit of a grain of salt. But yeah, there, I did have a fair, fair share of people that I reached out to, to try and uh, get some direction for. So I can't imagine moving what over 4,000 miles away or adapting to a new country while facing the expectations of playing in Scotland. Those couldn't have been easy. So talk to me about some of the challenges you faced both personally in your day to day and professionally while trying to adjust to life and football in Scotland. Yeah. Well, uh, obviously, like I said, I had gone there with a lot of expectation because the club that was really keen on bringing me in, like I said, the manager who I signed under uh, really explained big plans for me and the team. Uh, It really seemed like it was going to be a great situation for me, you know, and obviously by the time that I had gotten there six months later, after signing my pre-contract, the coach who had signed me got fired. So I was playing under a new manager and it sort of seemed like the plans kind of started to change because I wasn't playing as much. Um, uh, and obviously that brings its own challenges, right? I'm in a new culture. Uh, I'm in the locker room with guys who, you know, it's completely different ways of living and thinking about the game. And um, so, yeah, it was definitely challenging, especially with the pressure over there of playing in the UK, the fans over there don't take things lightly, especially when they know that you're supposed to come in and have a massive impact. But the club was just kind of going through a rough patch, you know, as a lot of clubs do here and there. And it was kind of just bad timing in that sense. So I wasn't playing. Um, I was really just trying to figure out, okay, like what's going to be my next move because I can't be here not playing at this time in my career and this time of my life. I just got into the national team. I have to keep pushing the throttle, you know? So I just kept working and trying to get my way into the team. And, you know, it just, for whatever reason, man, I can't even explain to you 
why I wasn't playing because I felt like the minutes and the, and the games that I did end up playing, I played well for the guys and the team that was kind of built around me. It wasn't a great situation. I had four managers in six months between interims and it was just so uh, like chaotic really. And it wasn't anything like I expected or that I signed up for when I had initially signed. Um, so yeah, it, it, pro it provided a ton of challenges, you know, uh, but nonetheless, I think I grew so much from it and I wouldn't change it. Uh, I would definitely, you know, replay that again if I had to go back and do it because it made me where I am right now. It brought me back to Chicago and it's made me have uh, an even better time here. So I'm playing well and I'm enjoying it. But I think that that was a, a vital part of my journey. So you talk about growing in your time there, right? You go to Scotland with all these big expectations and then you go through all those highs and lows over there. Do you have any big picture takeaways or lessons learned from your experience that you'd like to share? I don't even know if I can pinpoint just one, but you know, like ultimately I had felt like I was uh, going over there and on the rise in my career. And, you know, things kind of just took a turn. Like I said, like I completely wasn't expecting, I kind of got smacked around by life with like a backhand, you know, like where I wasn't playing, I was in a different environment and I enjoyed my life to the fullest in, in a different city, trying to, uh, you know, soak in as much of the experience as possible. But um you know, I feel like in terms of just like not getting too far ahead of yourself, taking things day by day and just continuing to to work and trust in the process, even when things aren't going well, was probably like my biggest takeaway because I was still in there getting in early, one of the last to leave every day, doing extra stuff in the gym, just doing everything I possibly could. Uh, and, you know, with the ups and downs, like you said, the inevitable highs and lows of life you can it's not always going to be great, you know, and it's not always going to be bad. So you just have to know that with the impermanence of life that you just got to keep going and just keep persisting for one more day. You never know what's on the other side of the door, you know? So, you know, having been there for six months and signing a three and a half year contract, I thought I was going to be there for, for three and a half years when I had initially signed. And six months later, I'm back in, in Chicago and back in the MLS and playing great again and enjoying my football. So um, I think that's a tribute to just staying consistent with the process and doing what I know was going to bring me success uh, at some other point uh, down the line. It all comes back to three words, man. And you wrote a whole book on it. Bet on yourself, bro. Bet on yourself, man. It's exactly right. It didn't work out. You continued working and busting your butt, even though you were in an unfortunate situation. And now look where you find yourself. Six months later, you land, what, 42 minutes away from hometown Schaumburg, Illinois, like why Chicago, although that's kind of obvious and you've touched on it a little bit. And how did you end up there and how did those discussions begin? Well, when I was in Scotland and I wasn't playing much in the team, we actually finished seventh that year. So it was below the relegation split. We had to fight for relegation in the bottom six. We wouldn't even make the top six of the league where you're competing to play in Europe and all the things that I saw when I had signed there, the team was third place in Scotland behind Celtics Rangers. Um, they were playing in uh, European football. You know, if you qualify top four, you play European football, you travel, you play other teams in those tournaments and that. So the next season was going to be completely different. I wasn't playing. There was instability. They were going to bring in a, even a new manager that, at the start of the next season. And I was like telling my agent, this just not isn't necessarily what I expected. And I think it'd be best if we find another, you know, alternate route. So we had a few teams in Europe who were, uh, interested in bringing me in at that time as well but he kept calling me saying hey look uh chicago's calling me as well nonstop, trying to see if you did want to come home they would be really uh glad to have you back and they're really keen on getting you back uh to the city so 
you know, as talks kind of conspired and things got a little closer, uh, I had a lot of discussions with my wife about like, okay, is this what I want to do? Is this the best thing for my career? Um, and ultimately, yeah, I thought that it was, and things just kept kind of nibbling down. There was a lot of moving pieces at the time because the whole move transpired in like two weeks. I had to get on a, a flight from London and get to Chicago and do my medical as soon as I landed, sign the contract before the deadline closed. And then I was in on a Wednesday and I flew to Atlanta to play on Friday. So it was like really fast. My wife had to stay back and pack all my, all of our stuff, our entire apartment, and then, you know, fly back herself with the dog and all that. So it was, it was really fast, man. It was, uh, quite an experience, but, uh, yeah, brought me back. You're back home. What does it mean to you and how important has it been to return home and play in front of family and friends? I think it's been one of the key attributes to my individual success so far this season. It's just, I'm playing with so much joy again. And, uh, I feel so fulfilled even away from the pitch, just seeing my family there, uh, being able to have friends in the stands constantly, like it's something that I've never had before. Uh, my grandparents are able to come to every game, you know, and playing in soldier field being so iconic in Chicago. It's a lot of things, but it honestly it, it has meant a lot to me. It's been really uh, a good experience. And I just hope that I can continue to push the throttle and get this club to where it needs to be. That's awesome, Chris. All right, now let's get into the Chicago Fire and your 2022 season so far. When you joined the Fire in early to mid-May, they were sitting at the bottom of the Eastern Conference table. Now, a few months later, you find yourselves in the middle of the Eastern Conference playoff race as you sit 12th place, just three points back of the playoff line. Crazy how congested the table is. From April 2nd to July 9th, the Fire had won just two matches. Then you guys went on a five-match unbeaten run featuring four wins versus Toronto, Seattle, Vancouver, and Charlotte. What has led to the fires rise from bottom of the East to just three points below the playoff line with nine matches remaining? I think it's been a, a lot of different factors that have contributed to the success of the team. But I think that, you know, mainly we've just picked up some confidence in terms of just getting some good results, especially on the road um, at home, you know, winning solves everything. So as long as you can continue to plug away and, pick up momentum at the right time. I feel like that's a lot of what this league is about in terms of making a push for the playoffs. It's whoever's the hottest, you know, and uh, if you can pick up some good results and just kind of string together some, some good luck as you continue to try and climb the table. I think that that's the main thing is that we've just continued to get consistent. We know our identity and uh, the results have obviously come pretty well in the past six games aside from the last one. But um, yeah, I think that all of us are pretty confident in what we're doing now. We know what to do. Uh, we're getting to know each other better. So all of that stuff has definitely um, helped. What are the vibes like in the locker room right now? I'd say that they're pretty positive. You know, I think that all of us are a bit shaken up and upset after the last game. And, you know, it wasn't a 4-1 game over at Philly. I think that we definitely uh, shot ourselves in the foot a few times, which has been our kind of Cinderella story from the whole year is uh, all of or at least since I've been here, the losses that we've had have come off of like individual mistakes and, you know, just little lapses of concentration that you wish that you can just alleviate because we'd be way higher in the table. But, um, you know, sometimes that stuff happens, the uncontrollable things, and uh, we just continue to push. But uh, yeah, you know, we'll see. Yeah, it's an important stretch of the season. It's late summer, playoff push is happening. Vibes got to stay high. Guys got to stay positive because the playoffs are right there for you but you have played an instrumental role in sparking a much needed fire under this team to lead to this playoff push. 
Despite missing the opening month and a half of the season, you were top three on the team in shots, shots on target, expected goals, key passes, passes into the penalty area, and successful dribbles. Additionally, you're having a career year individually as you were set to surpass your career highs in shots, shots on targets, passing percentage, and key passes. How does your style of play complement Ezra Hendrickson's system, and what is attributed to your uptick in touches and production in the final third? I think something that I've done differently this year is I've been pretty consistently playing on the left side uh, of the field, where when I was in Orlando, I was playing on the right a little bit uh, inside of the half channel in the pocket there, kind of like as a second 10, it was less touches, it wasn't as much of uh, dribbling where I feel like staying wide in, in uh, Ezra's system and how we switch the ball quickly in, in our movements. I think it just suits me in terms of it allows me to go at guys 1v1. It lets me come in on my good side on my right foot and uh, hit the curling shot that I love to hit. Uh, it's like my bread and butter. So uh, I think it just has positioned me well, you know, and when the team is is on cue with the possession and we're getting our touches in and switching the field, uh, you know, on a regular basis, I think that it helps me be more dangerous, but um, it's also a, a tribute to the the team that they've built around uh, us, right? Like I'm playing with Shakiri now and he's got to be one of the best players in the league, if not the best, even though his uh, stats might not say that, but the way he connects our team and uh, feeds balls in all the time, I think that he's just a big X factor and uh, grossly underlooked in the league. I think he's uh, really been key for us, especially in our push right now. And uh, the link that we've had together has been really good. So it's just a lot of the pieces coming together. You know, like we said, that's uh, given not only me success, but giving the team success. So um, I've enjoyed it. I'm also playing consistent minutes, which is something I haven't done in a while. Playing 90 consistently in Orlando, I was continuously getting pulled at 55, 60, 65, and uh, getting these, you know, deep runs of minutes and lots of games in uh, in stretches where I'm just constantly starting, constantly playing, that just helps your sharpness and your confidence, right? You know that what to do in certain times and um, you can just kind of build on that sort of stuff. So I know I just gave you a ton of stuff, but uh, it all, it all. That's what I want as a guy doing a podcast or Chris Mueller. I want all of that, but you mentioned you're now playing on that preferred left side. So you can play inverted and come inside on that, on that right foot. Is there any part of your game that you can identify as something you might have improved upon most since coming to Chicago? I think just mentally being in a, in a better place than I ever have in my career. I feel like when I look at the games that I've played here and the style of football that I'm playing here, it's the best that I've played so far in my career. I feel more confident than I ever have in my career, even than when I was in Orlando right now, I feel like this just suits my style. And I'm honestly just in a, in a frame of mind where I don't feel like no matter who I'm playing against, anyone's going to be able to do anything to stop me unless I, you know, maybe make a mistake on the dribble or something, but I just am kind of playing with that flow right now, that confident state where, um, you know, it just feels good. It feels good to step on the pitch and, and have that feeling. So um, I'm just going to continue to build on that. Speaking of building your confidence, talk to me about that first goal you scored against the New York Red Bulls 11 days after making your debut for the fire mentally and emotionally after six months away, what did that goal mean for you and what did it do for your confidence? I think it was really important just to get that monkey off the back. The first one, uh, obviously quickly in in a team that needed a little bit of a spark and a turnaround just because the season hadn't gone uh, terribly well. But I mean, yeah, that goal 
Guti had just slipped me in, I think, on a one-two that we ended up playing in the box and just smashed it in the top corner in the near post. Was really good, a really great way to start my career here, and it, it definitely was a stepping stone to my confidence, getting built up to where it is now. You know, sometimes you need those little things to go your way, and uh, you know, it all comes back around and and helps you. So, uh, definitely felt good to do it uh, at that time of my career. <laughs> Yeah, it's a definitely an important one. And three goals later, you now sit at four goals and three assists on the season. So I ask every player that I interview to break down a highlight from one of their recent matches. For you, Chris, I know it was just a one-touch finish, but you said it was your bread and butter. Talk to me about your goal last weekend versus Philly, specifically like the pressing, attacking, and transition, and your role in pressing on the weak side, and how those things led to that goal. Yeah, so... Philly had played the ball out to the left back, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and when they get the ball to one side of the pitch, we're taught that we want to clamp it one way and everyone's kind of got to get over and pick up their men. Um, so they we ended up squeezing up really well. We didn't give them any space down the line and they had to play a negative ball, which then gave us even more of a cue to move forward. Uh, I think it was Casper at the time had done a good well of shepherding the game one way. They tried to force a ball up into the six. Uh, Fede was up high, Marie, uh, Mauricio, I think, or who was in the midfield? Was it Gaston still? Maybe. But either way, Fede was up high on the, the strong side, six or eight, and was able to win the ball back quickly. Uh, and from there, they were just kind of exposed because the outside back on the right side was way high up the pitch, trying to give them some width. Uh, and Fede played a nice ball into Shaq, and I had just made a darting run because I saw so much space between the right back and the right center back. Uh, and Shaq played me in a great ball that was weighted perfectly for me to just hit one touch and, uh, and invited me in to go and hit that ball to the back post. So, uh, it was a good team goal. It was really good at that time of the game as well as like the 49th minute, right in the second half. Uh, you know, I really felt like after that we had gotten some momentum, so it was, it was good. Great tactical breakdown right there, Chris. That was really well done. Once again, you bring up Shaq. I didn't ask it earlier. Is he the best player that you've ever played with? And like, what can you take from a guy like Shaq? Yeah, he's probably the best up there with Nani as well. You know, Nani he was a completely different player. They played different positions and they did different things. Um, you know, I don't want to take any way, anything away from Nani's talent either. That dude was, you know, seriously next level as well in terms of the things that he could do on the ball and, uh, his finishing and dribbling ability, hitting dead balls, whatever it was, he was also a top, top player. Um, but with Shaq, it's just been great to learn from him because I feel like he's just got such a football mind on him. He really wants to play the game properly and want to touch, move the ball, find the spaces. Uh, he's so clean on the ball. You know, he does all the little things right all the time. Uh, and he invites me into the game as well, which I really like. You know, he's been, uh, he's not really, you know, the team's about me. I want to, score all the goals. I want to take all the free kicks. I want to, you know, he's really just wants to do what's best for the team. It seems like, and uh, with how much we've been combining, I feel like that's definitely said something as well. We've, we've found a good connection on the field. So I'm really enjoying playing with him. It's fun to watch. It, it definitely is. So next up for you guys this Sunday at 6 PM Eastern standard time on ESPN plus is New York city FC who are winless since Tati was loaned out and will also be missing key pieces, Keaton parks and Alexander Collins. Due to injury, New York City FC won your first matchup earlier this season. What do you guys need to do to earn all three points and keep pace in the Eastern Conference playoff race? We need to continue to do what we're doing, obviously, in, in terms of 
the good things that we're doing, right? We need to minimize our individual lapses of concentration and individual mistakes. But, you know, if we come out with the right intensity, we're going to catch them at a good time. Like you said, they're down right now. Uh, they're a bleeding dog. You know, we got to come in with some fire at being at home and, you know, finish our chances, defend well as a team and just move the ball properly with good quality, you know, one and two touch, uh, be clean on the ball, make sure that we're all moving in in the proper positions and uh, just working as a unit. You know, I really feel like if we just stick to our game plan, we're we're going to have a, a good night. And they're bleeding goals. Nine goals conceded in the past three games. There's going to be opportunities there. Yeah, there will definitely be opportunities there. But they, they're, they're a team who likes to get up high and possess the ball with yeah. two center backs, you know, and they, they kind of leave themselves exposed a little bit where if they're not clean in possession, you can really hurt them going the other way, you know. And they also just played last night, so they're going to be a bit heavy-legged after, you know, they still have to travel down here and all that. So, um, you know, we're definitely going to try and make it as difficult for them as possible. Chris, just listening to you talk, do you have aspirations of possibly being a coach later on? Uh, I'm not sure yet. You know, I have a few ventures off the pitch that uh, we'll see what end up conspiring. I have a few ideas of what I would like to do. I'm not uh, entirely sure yet. I feel like coaching I would like to do in some way, shape or form. Um, but we'll, who knows, man, we'll see. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've also learned from that experience being in Scotland that to plan that far ahead is just impossible. You know, I thought, <laughs> like I said, yeah. I was going to be there for four years and six months I'm back here, you know, so I'm more so like I have long-term ambition and goals, obviously, and visions for myself, but I'm um, really just taking it day to day and then try to enjoy this piece of my life while it's here. You have a brilliant tactical mind, it sounds like. You're very motivational in your speaking, so I think that would be a, a good route for you eventually, but I'm not going to put words or thoughts into your mind. Uh, but we talked about goals and assists, your underlying numbers, and a push for the playoffs this year, but what goals do you have for the remainder of the season, both personally for yourself and for the Chicago Fire? I just want to get us into the playoffs, at least to start, you know, a home game in the playoffs would be great. I think that that's something that we could definitely do if we pick up some good uh, momentum and continue to move that and get some good results. I love um, that ambition. Let's go. Yeah. You know, you could see the table is really tight, man. It's three points from us up until like sixth place. And then from sixth place to fourth is like another three points. So, you know, things can take a quick turn for the worse for some and for the better for others. So, uh, definitely keep that ambition high. I believe with the team that we have, and I believe in the guys in the locker room who are around me. So um, we definitely want to get into the playoffs. And then from there, man, who knows? It's always a one-off games. Uh, we've done pretty well, like outside of obviously the finishing results, but in terms of how we played on the road, since I came in, I feel like I, I'd be pretty confident to go anywhere on the road in the playoffs in a one-off game and, and come out with three points. So we'll see, man. Uh, you know, I don't want to put words in my into my own mouth or say anything, you know, but anything shooting for anything less than a trophy, I feel like it's just doing anybody an injustice. You know, everybody's in it to win it and everybody believes that they can win it. So uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that we can't because I believe that we can and bringing back a trophy to Chicago would be a dream come true. Your hometown of Chicago, that would be absolutely incredible. But that's the thing we all love about MLS, right, is the parody. If you finish in the seven spot or higher, you make the playoffs and it's a one-off, yeah. you know, who knows what can happen at that point. But all I ask is you to take it easy on my beloved Columbus crew. <laughs> Will do. I got, I got to ask though. So did you score and have an assist in that match? 
Am at I home yeah, that? I did and we still lost yeah so I was gonna ask actually like no knock on you like what were your thoughts when you saw Cucho come on and just steal all three points yeah I was distraught obviously I was really upset just because of the magnitude of the game and where Columbus was on the table where we were in the table being at home we still got to go to Columbus which isn't an easy place to play so you know, it definitely was a tough one to take, um, being up two goals at half and then them coming back 3-2. We just did not manage the game well at all. And Kucho obviously had a massive uh, role to play in that with the goal that he scored. And, you know, so it's not going to get any easier playing Columbus, that's for sure. But that one definitely was a kick in the teeth. Yeah. Any final thoughts for Chicago Chicago Fire fans who are listening? Nah, I would just say that good things are definitely coming to Chicago. You know, since I was a little kid uh, and following the fire, I feel like right now it's definitely in one of the best places that I've ever seen it, uh, just in terms of the branding that they're doing, the people that they have there, the culture they're building, uh, Joe, what Joe is investing in in the team. And uh, just all around, I think that the fire is really headed in a good direction. And, you know, Chicago being one of the best cities in the country uh, deserves to be at the top of of the league you know the anything less than that is is shooting uh short of our potential so um i would say just to stick it out right now with the fire fans you could see more people are coming out to the game so the buzz is getting around you know and i think that it's just going to continue to climb in a good direction bet on yourself bet on chris mueller and bet on the chicago fire chris mueller thanks for hopping on mls gone wild my man yeah no worries bro thanks for having me i appreciate it Listeners, thanks for tuning into MLS Gone Wild, episode 88, featuring Chicago Fire winger Chris Mueller. Be sure to tune into his match this Sunday at 6 p.m. as they look to continue their push for a spot in the 2022 MLS Cup playoffs. Until next time, take care of yourselves and one another. And remember the name, Chris Mueller. Peace.